0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Glad to be back and sorry for a little bit of a delay. Had some technical difficulties with a couple of podcasts we had recorded, but without fail, here we are today a couple days late, but a two-parter. This podcast was super long and really good. Lots of great stuff. On today's podcast, we interview Scott Kelly. Scott Kelly's been drag racing for over 30 years, started in the air-cooled scene. His dad before that was influential and part of the woodwork in the 60s vw drag racing scene lots of good stories great things scott's been pretty active in the drag racing scene even when he crossed over bringing the vws into the import racing scene and then making a transition to racing for cyan or trd lots of cool stories to get into really one worth to listen to and Bonus for you guys is going to be a two-parter, so this is going to be part one. Before we get into that, a couple shout-outs. Give a shout-out to Bulldog56 for giving us a five-star review on our Apple Podcast reviews. Don't forget to write a review and give us a five-star review on our Apple Podcasts. It helps Apple organically starts to pump up our podcast for a broader reach, so we get more people that maybe we don't know that are into VWs that stumble across this VW Podcast for the listening. Don't forget to share the podcast with your friends. Also, Ryan Corno shot me a nice email uh, he's enjoying the podcast and really getting a lot out of it. So we do have some good podcasts coming up. I got people stacked on deck to deliver to you. And I think you guys will really appreciate what we got going on. I do have some of the 80s throwback stuff that's going to be coming up. Interviewing some of the guys that have held on to their cars through all the years. So that'll be good. One last thing before we get started. Volkstroke. David Ruiz reached out to me. They're trying to help promote uh, their buddy's racing event. So they've got a FZ Racing event. Uh, presents the socal vw shootout that's going to be september 28th 2019 so if you guys got street cars you want to think that are fast you want to bring them out there see what they can do on the track and uh build this thing up you'll you'll listen to this podcast that we're going to do with um, my man scott and you'll see you know the the drag racing thing uh we all love it and we all could get into a little bit more so do what you can to support the scene guys uh without any further ado scott kelly with kelly racing
1: station wagon to have a
0: In the studio today, I've got Scott with Kelly Racing. I gave you guys a little bit of intro uh, about Scott and his background. And so, like we do every day on every podcast with Let's Talk Dubs, the first question that we always ask our guests on Let's Talk Dubs is, Scott, what is your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens?
1: Well, for me, uh, my story begins uh, back in the late 60s when uh, my dad was one of the original Pioneers of the drag racing scene, uh, there was a handful of guys that made them go f- VWs go fast on the drag strip. Um, you know, you're you're talking schleys Bergs, uh, Anderson Brothers, Ron Fleming, um, Dean Lowry. All those guys were kind of on the forefront of the pioneer of drag racing. Uh, my dad happened to to own and drive the uh, Autohaus race car. So as a as a small child, as maybe four or five, I can remember the car, um, and then at uh, it was Bug in Seven, which was 1971, at Orange County International Raceway, um, and the shape of a Volkswagen when you look at it looks like a wing of a of an airplane, and so when they hit about 150 or excuse me 110 miles an hour, they kind of raise up and it unloads the 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 rear end and they get squirrely and they go upside down and crash. So all these guys that were starting to go fast back then, they ended up, uh, rolling over and crashing the car. And that's what happened at bug in seven with my dad is, uh, car got loose and, and crashed, uh, through the lights. And, uh, mom basically said, you're, you're done with drag racing for now. Yeah. So he ended up, uh, uh, pursuing his career in, in the fire field as a fireman in Anaheim and so me growing up I've always been a drag race fan but I was more of a hot rod guy you know the muscle cars and so when I turned 16 you know I had a, uh, a 74 dart you know 340 heads and so I was, I was a street car guy and so we did a little bit of street racing and for me I we were out on the street one night uh, it was about 2 a.m. And I'm at a street light. Volkswagen pulls up next to me and kind of revs the engine. And I had a buddy in the car, he was sitting next to me. And I look over at this VW and I laugh and I go, yeah, whatever. And so I thought to myself, yeah, let's go. So light turns green, you know, I hit the gas. And he did too, yeah. except he snatched the tires about six inches off the ground and was gone. Really? And it was, it was fun to watch. But I looked at my buddy, you know, after getting smoked. And I said, did you see that? And he said, nope. I said, me neither. So I made a left as soon as I could get away from this guy. And so I knew in my head going, man, I got to have one of those. So about a month later, you know, I had about five or 600 bucks saved up at the time. So I went and bought a, uh, a VW Fastback, which is the VW Fastback I have today, the bullet. And I drug that thing home and I was going to put it on the street. Yeah. So I have it out in front of the house and I'm gutting this thing and, and I'm getting ready to to start putting engine together. Dad comes walking out and says, Hey, what are you going to do with that thing? I said, I'm going to put this thing on the street. I said, I got my ass kicked on the street. I said, that's not going to happen again. I said, that was way too much fun to watch that guy do that. And he goes, "Ah." he goes, you know, you're going to kill yourself. If you, if you build a street car, he said, i tell you what, if you build it for the track, he says, "I'll help you." He said, "But no, no streetcar." He says, "You're you're gonna kill yourself." So I said, "All right, whatever." So we ended up spending the next about year. Uh, he had the vision of actually chopping the top on the fastback. Yeah, it's so got
0: it's got to come a slight chop on on your car. Four
1: inches out of the deal, and so we spent about a year building this thing, and we debuted it. uh, at the Bugarama in Phoenix in 1989, which was about March, you know, it was always the first race of the year, April, whatever that is. And uh, we built it for the uh, pro bug class back then, is yeah. what they called it. And and so, this was
0: this was through PRA or was PRA, it different, different racing? correct.
1: this is this was kind of the rejuvenation of VW drag racing back then so the PRA had had put together, you know, a few classes and, and the Pro Bug was basically pro stock for Volkswagens. And so that's kind of always been Dad's favorite class and so we kind of built it to do that. Yeah. Um and for me, I I wanted to just kind of get my feet wet, so uh we were doing the the Pro Bug stuff at the time and also I was doing a lot of uh bracket racing to kind of get my feet wet at uh, Palmdale and, and, other local tracks that we could get, get to. So we are kind of doing double duty, but that, that's the reason that car was built was to run that class. Um, but at the time and that was,
0: that was the pro they called it the pro bug, class, pro bug, button.
1: which, which transitioned to about 90, 91 to pro stock, uh, for Volkswagens. Um, and so basically the car was the, the class was tube chassis. It was eight pounds per cubic inch. So mm-hmm. it was super light. So unfortunately, uh, our car was Pan car, so it was a little heavy for the
0: class. You're talking about the fastback, right? Right. The fastback. I mean, let's be honest. The the car you went and picked for your dream drag race car is probably probably the heaviest car Volkswagen makes, right? It, yeah, <laughs> and it
1: just it was the cheapest car that I could find at the sure. time. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's that was going to be our baseline, um, and so it was a little heavy for the class, and so uh, all the fast guys were probably about nah, four or five tenths quicker than us. Uh, so we kind of handwriting was on the wall. This car was not built for that class. Uh, but in eight, in 1990, the very next year, uh, PRA came out with, uh, basically a heads up class for pan cars. Mm-hmm. So that was, it went from eight and a half pounds per cubic inch. Uh, they built a class for 10 and a half pounds per cubic inch for, it had to be a pan
0: car. So, so pan cars were a lot, a little, little heavier weight.
1: Yeah. A little heavier weight. Um, and so we naturally made the transition to that. In 1990, they they ran the last three events, which were uh, uh, Sacramento, uh, Sears Point, and uh, Arizona, were the last three events in 1990, and that's when they debuted uh, Super Street. Okay. And so we ended up running that class, and we ran the second event. We ended up winning, and we set the. The class record at the time, which was like eleven oh one, at about one hundred and twenty-three miles an hour. Oh wow! And then the next event, I think we went out first or second round, or something. Something happened, and we ended up second or third in the initial year of of Super Street.
0: And so that's that's kind of how you get. So w- when you get started now, there's a couple you, you covered a lot of history there in a short period of time. And so I kind of want to jump back to a couple things that you started that that maybe um, to you you maybe just kind of rolled over them, but to me they're kind of critical, right? So um, your dad was early, early into the VW scene. Correct. Until he crashed his car. And so some of the people in the beginning of the scene that, that he was involved with in racing, you just kind of knew him as like, those are dad's friends, like uh, Dean Lowry and the Schley brothers and all those guys. Those were just like friends of your dad's and no big deal. But you know, when you start seeing your dad's connected to all those guys for you, it's, Ho hum, right?
1: Yeah, it was not. It was not that big a gigantic deal as it is today. Like you, you talk about the Schles and Berg and and Dean Lowry. I mean, these these were the and uh, they're the pioneers of of drag racing. Um, and so for me, it, I grew up with it. So it was just like, hey, these are the guys that race VWs with my dad. So when you talk about these guys, uh, it, and you and you look at it looking back, it's like. Hey, these are, these are the pioneers of an absolute, you know, generation, two, three generations of, of racers. And I was around for the, for the beginning.
0: Yeah. And, And so my question is, so your dad now, all these years have passed. He was never, so he got into VW racing just to drive these little cheap cars fast and he could do it and it was fun. And then after he wrecks the car, he gets out of it. And at no part in your life, he's like, hey, son, you should get a Volkswagen. You should buy this. He was just kind of doing his thing. You were being the teenager. And then once he saw all of a sudden your interest started going back to his, where his history began, he got fired up to kind of, well, if you're going to go racing, boy, let's race together.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, and it turned out uh, that that it was something that we could do together. Yeah. And, you know, he knew a little bit about it. and. And it, it just kind of
0: so, went from there. So speaking on that, about a little bit about it, because he started as a, as a pioneer in the 60s. Now you're getting back into this late 80s, and, and there's been huge leaps and bounds in technology from then until now. And so it was probably for him eye-opening, like, wow, they've come a long way with these VWs. And then also, interesting for you to get into this, because your background's like – so when you had your Dart and stuff like that, were you – building your own motors and doing that kind of stuff and so now you go to build beetle or are you are you building your own engines and stuff or are you having the motors built in the beginning and then just realize because like like a lot of guys that i've talked to like we, we talked about as we were talking just prior to the podcast we talked about like adam wick and stuff like that and and, and one of my questions in the future i'll have adam on the podcast one of the conversations i have with him is i said how'd you get an engine building he says well i was drag racing And then it just got so expensive to keep paying these guys to build the motors. I had to figure out how to build my own motor. Like, is that how you do you, did you build your own motors and do all that stuff yourself? Or were you, because your dad was connected and kind of new people, you guys were able to access some of the resources you had available.
1: Um, No, we, we've always built our own stuff uh, Really, from minute one. I mean, it's, it's been a 30 year learning curve. Yeah. Uh, When I first started, you know, you, you, you put together what you think is, you know, super hot rod, whatever. And, you know, you, you break whatever it is. Uh, horsepower always finds weak link. Yeah. So you, you kind of learn that, that there is no shortcut to going fast. Yeah. So you, if you, uh, if you cut a corner, horsepower finds it, breaks it, and it costs you twice of what you if you'd have done it right the first time,
0: yeah. Like, what? Looking back on your early days of racing, what what was the biggest? Like, I can't believe I did that, man. I was such a rookie back then, and here I am at the drag strip and like in front of all these guys. I'm just like, oops.
1: Well, the big the biggest thing is maintenance. Um, whenever you take an engine that was designed for 40 horse, mm-hmm. and you start putting 250, 260, 300 horsepower, and this uh, all the stuff I've done is all normally aspirated. So I've never tinkered with nitrous I've never tinkered with uh, turbo stuff it's always been the normally aspirated stuff and when you deal with the normally aspirated stuff usually that entails high rpm right to make your 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 horsepower so you can't you you know you're launching cars at between eight and nine thousand rpm you're shifting at eighty five hundred to nine grand and so everything has to be
0: exactly yeah
1: and if you don't Like I said, the horsepower finds the the weak link, and the other piece is maintenance. Uh, People don't understand the the maintenance that's involved in any type of of high-end race, normally aspirated engine. Um, I would have to pull down an engine. I'd get two events out of it, and it's got to be pulled all the way down. And everything has to be checked.
0: So when you say two events, that may be four passes at each event, eight yeah. passes each event, and then you're dropping it down to the crank.
1: Yep, eight to ten of eight to ten laps, and it comes down.
0: Yeah, because I mean, you're taking that motor, and what what RPM are you shifting that thing at?
1: Uh, anywhere between, depending on the track, uh, eighty five hundred to nine thousand.
0: Eighty five hundred to nine thousand on a on a stock case, or are these full blown like race cases? No,
1: these are stock cases back in yeah when I mean, you're
0: st- when you're starting they didn't have like the high roof cases and the billet cases and all that kind of stuff right I mean no,
1: you were taking uh, the mag cases that that you could find hey uh, this one looks pretty good let's use this
0: yeah and so you first get the you first get the fasty on the road what are you so what's your first motor setup that you have in that thing
1: uh, first motor we built uh, was 88 crank uh, by 94
0: and who made was that a bird 88 crank or scat uh, it's scat
1: uh, I what's funny is uh, I, I've never had to build uh a dowel pin engine. Everything I've ever built from the start has always been uh, uh the flange
0: cranks. Just a flanged four four dowel crank. Uh, six dowel. Oh, there's six dial cranks?
1: Yep. And so the the flange cranks are much that and that that came from the experience with dad is like uh he would say, ah, you, you can't have a dowel pin engine. Um they're they're just weak. They're going to break. Right. You, so, sooner or later, you're going to shear the dowels. Yeah. He said, See, if you're so a stock one is four dowel pins. So they put the eight dowel pins with uh, uh, what do you call it?
0: Uh, oh, the eight, the the eight dowel, and then they well they, wedge made it. They wedge made it. Yeah.
1: And so that's that's about the best you can do with uh, with the dowel pin. And so when we initially built it in '89, uh, that was he goes, nah, we're not even going to fool around with that. So everything we've ever built. From the get go, has been flange cranks. Really, because they're just
0: they're just stronger. They're just it's like why 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 take the risk, spend the extra few what is it, a couple hundred bucks, couple hundred bucks, you couple hundred get... bucks, and you're going to get how many passes out of that crank? Uh,
1: you, you can get. Uh, I mean, well, how many
0: seasons can you get out of a single two, crank? Two, three years. Two, three years out of a crank.
1: Yeah, and you really got to pay attention to those because they. Uh,
0: so every time you strip that motor down you're 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 going through the process because a lot of our listeners are are casual observers of drag racing one of the things that i wanted to kind of go through on this with you is maybe we break down drag racing for some of the casual observers of the vw scene that they might be able to to have a little more interest when looking at a magazine or watching some drags on tv or something because the the, the tough part of drag racing is drag racing is, is quintessential to it needs racers and spectators you can't just have racers you got to have spectators and you need, and both need each other, you know, and, and everybody loves to watch drag racing. I I love watching drag racing. Some of my fun, the most fun I've had is going to the car shows and it's like, okay, I've looked at enough cars. Let's go see some drag racing. And then you go see drag racing. And then the big bummer is like, somebody oils down the track and you're like, okay, let's go. <laughs> But <laughs> it happens. But, uh, so, so you start out with your first motor, um, and let, let's break down just so people know. What are the typical because v- because you've got some some history that went from drag racing air cooled VWs and then you went into racing for Toyota and I want to talk about that that gap there, but to kind of get some 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 outline of of the VW drag racing scene, can you break down for layman's terms for guys like me that are more into kind of like street driving and whatever that don't aggressively pursue drag racing? Can you break down the class structure for me for drag racing?
1: Sure. Um, do you want the history like? from the PRA back in the 80s, or, or right now?
0: So let's talk about somebody who wants to get into drag racing right now.
1: Right now, uh, there's uh, there's a few pro classes. Uh, one of them is the turbo class. Um, the turbo class is basically unlimited, so you can build whatever you want. It's no holds barred. No holds barred. The only
0: regulations are safety regulations. Correct. Uh,
1: and you can basically... And that's
0: pro-turbo. Build, pro-turbo. You run what you brung. And uh, and what are we seeing for times like right now in Pro Turbo Class?
1: Uh, Pro Turbo Class, and uh, there, there's two sanctioning bodies that are are basically kind of running the game right now. BRS,
0: which is the Bugarama uh, guys. The
1: Bugarama guys, and then you have the Triple Crown Series, which is Triple Crown
0: and BRS. Uh,
1: correct. So the Triple Crown, uh, most of their stuff, they run two events at uh, Irwindale. One at fontana and so they're all eighth mile races and so you'll have your turbo guys uh in the eighth mile running high fives low sixes at say 115 120 miles an hour which would equate to uh somewhere in the eights low nines eights full so because i was I,
0: i was talking to a friend of mine who does the whra the west coast hot rod association he does some uh, racing around here. And I guess all the big dogs, like all the guys you see on street outlaws, all that stuff, all those guys now, or I guess are all racing eighth mile. And my understanding, I said, well, why are they racing eighth mile? Seems kind of boring. I mean, but then again, if you've ever driven a quarter mile, it seems like forever. You know what I mean? Like no one realizes how long a quarter mile is until you get strapped in at a drag, at a drag strip. Indeed. And especially when you're getting beat, it seems even longer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he said that they've gone to eighth mile because the cars are getting so fast. There's no point to have street cars. Not, prof- I mean, these are all professionally tubed cars, but like when you're having accidents at 160, and 190 miles an hour, it's a bigger difference of an accident than 150, and so that they've cut down eighth mile. Now, I, I've noticed that they've raced both, and we're kind of getting at, and I'm sure someone's beating on their radio going, "You, but let them finish the classes. Listen, it's my podcast. We'll go where I want to go. So my question is, I, I noticed in Irwindale. They do eighth mile, and so you're saying Irwindale and Fontana both are eighth mile now.
1: Yeah, Fontana they'll run uh, uh, the second class, which is uh, super stock, mm-hmm. uh, and basically that's a uh, a pound per cubic inch class, um, and you have to use they they, they basically you can uh, it's a stock head. Mm-hmm. You got to use a stock style case.
0: So it's a stock cast. Volkswagen head. Head, correct. Okay.
1: So and you got to use the stock stud patterns for your manifolds. Okay. Um you have to use a flat tappet cam. You can only lift it to I think it's 650 now. So there's there's specific rules for super for super stock and it has to be normally aspirated. So carbureted, uh no bigger than 515 carburetors. And is this the, this is
0: the class that you run? Uh,
1: yes, I ran that one for a lot of years.
0: So super stock, so super stock is naturally aspirated. And there's a weight limit on the car, and it's when they say super stock, it's like the V8 super stock stock intake manifold, stock engine displacement, or like it's the V8 they have to stay three hundred and fifty displacement. But this has to be stock engine case,
1: stock engine case. Uh, you can't be bigger than ninety four piston. Okay, so you're you're basically limited to how big you can build the engine.
0: So displacement is limited, mm-hmm. and so then it comes to especially when it's carbureted. You know, sometimes with with turbo, turbo's like, I don't want to call it cheating, but I'm sure all the carburetor guys call it cheating. Like, it's just like if you're trying to maximize efficiency of a motor and you're doing carburation, it's more of a science than... Okay, I don't want to take away from the turbo guys, but you could just crank the boost up Yeah, you, you throw a
1: boost at it and
0: makes up for a lot of a lot of other stuff. I mean, of, the, a
1: lot of errors yeah, you can cover up with right. with turbo. You're
0: a lot less looking at fuel air ratio and you're looking at how much you can shove in this motor right now. Exactly. So, being a carburetor guy like yourself, how come you've always stayed in in the carburation class? Like how come you've never made a transition? Is it just do you see it as like a whole nother learning curve that you don't want to deal with? Or is it, um, you, you find something more traditional about the drag racing class that you're doing.
1: Uh, it, it's, it, it'd be a gigantic learning curve if I ever made the move. Um, it's something that I've, I started doing. I know it, uh, it's easier to tune for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand it, you know, making the, the turbo jump, it's a whole different ball game with, uh, with normally aspirated. You have big, uh, big compression, because we'll run close to 16 to 1 compression on a normally aspirated engine.
0: And, and these are the motors without cooling tin on them. Right.
1: Um, with turbo, there's there's no way in heck you can run that. Right. You know, you're, it's 8.5, 1, 9 to 1, maybe. Um, so, But you're
0: making up the difference on the boost side.
1: Right. You you can jam, you know, 40, 50, 60 pounds of boost into one of those and just it. It makes gigantic power.
0: And so that's another question that I have because I'm not a hardcore drag race guy. And so this is for all you guys out there listening to the podcast. So when they, so walk me through the process of like you've got a motor, no cooling tin on it. So you push that car to the starting line or you barely drive it as little as you can because you're trying to. Obviously, the cooler you can keep it, the better. Correct. You don't run alcohol in those or you do.
1: They do not. The, the class, that's one of the restrictions. It has to run race gas.
0: So is there an alcohol class or has alcohol become too dangerous?
1: No, alcohol, um, we actually tried to run alcohol. It
0: works and it ruins everything at the same time because uh, it gets cold, right?
1: Well, it's hard, it's hard to run through a carburetor. Oh, really? Uh, so uh, methanol needs to go injection. Uh, because it's just, it's very difficult to run through a carburetor.
0: Because of that, because of the fuel atomization, it doesn't, it doesn't give you the same bang. And like, cause I've heard from people that they've that told me that when you run alc when you're running alcohol, that carburetor will freeze, like it'll get frost and stuff on like it. And you've got to push so much fuel through there.
1: that That's the thing that you just mentioned. It's volume. It's, it's damn near uh, double the volume of fuel that you run normally aspirated gas. Um, and so when we made the transition to, uh, Toyota, it was all, uh, injected, um, methanol, methanol. And so we would run, you know, damn near twice the, twice the fuel as we would if we were running race gas.
0: And so, so we talked about, so we've got the pro turbo class, then we've got the super stock class, right?
1: Super stock, which is your, your basically pro stock of, of Volkswagens of normally aspirated.
0: So, N-A pro stock cars. Right.
1: And then... Uh, The next pro class is uh, called Pro Eliminator. It's run off of uh, a pro light, so it's not the sportsman tree.
0: Okay, for our listeners, just a sportsman tree, when you stage the car... Some of you guys have not drag race. When you roll up, there's the two yellow lights. That's when you're staged. That's
1: when you're staged. And then uh, sportsman light is... uh, They call it a five-tenths tree. So, you... You get the three lights yellow, 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 and then the green. Mm-hmm. And so there's five tenths on every one of those blinks of yellow. Where a pro tree, it's a it's called a four tenths pro tree. And so all three come on four tenths later. You get the green. Boom. So those are the two different lights. So whenever you see a four tenths uh, pro tree, usually that's a pro class.
0: So and when they mean when when they mean pro, what's what designates it as pro is just the level they're calling. Because at this race. Do you have to have special licensing for drag racing and stuff like that?
1: You do. Uh, once in in drag racing, once you go quicker than uh, uh, ten seconds, so nine ninety nine or one hundred and fifty miles an hour in the quarter mile, you have to have a license to drive.
0: So you and what what's it take to get that license?
1: Uh, you have to. It, it's run through NHRA, and you have to have. Uh, I think it's six. Uh, basically, preliminary. Um, Laps that you have to take, so you have to do like uh, a couple 3:30 launches. Then you got to do a couple half track launches, then a couple of full passes, and then you have to run within a couple tenths of, say, 9.99 to get that license. Um, and then you have to have a couple of guys that are already licensed sign off on that, saying, yeah, he's uh, he's good enough to drive that car.
0: Yeah, because that, that's when real damage starts happening. You start running sub nines, it's like real damage. I mean, you can get hurt pulling off a freeway, but drag racing, for the most part, you hit the wall, you know, running a 13 second quarter mile, you know, unless something catastrophic went crazy and the car flips end over end, you're usually going to be, I mean, you're going to do some car damage. But when you start getting those those speeds, and like you were saying, and maybe something else, we're going to wrap up the classes because I know people hammer me on the top. They're like, man, Bill, you're all over the place. But I, I like it. And those of you that complain, you can don't have to listen. So, uh, <laughs> but the rest of my fans, the rest of the people that listen, let's talk dubs. They're like they're loving it. So because as enthusiasts, we love it all, and and myself, I love it all. And I've I've taken my bug to test and tune fastest. I, I, I the fastest street motor I ever had um, still remains to be seen because it was a twenty two seventy six that that I blew up the first pass racing my buddy Jim Barbeau. And then I got discouraged and left the VW scene for a little bit after that. But actual street racing, fastest I ran was a a fourteen oh one with a nineteen fourteen with a Turbo City Turbo set on, and it was it it was at um, it was at one of these midnight mayhem's where all you need is your registration and insurance to run, and and those are so fun. But it took three hours until I got my second lap, and the first one I ran like a fourteen ninety something. And it had a vacuum hose on it. And I'm like, I pulled the vacuum hose. I shoved an Allen wrench in it. And I'm like, I'm running this thing uncorked. And my buddy with a uh, 2276 with 48s, he's a traditional cowlick guy. I said, bro, it's on now, dude. I popped the vacuum line. He's like, ooh, I'm really scared. And I waxed him. But I ran out of fuel. And so even in that little thing, you know, what? what, all I can – one of the things I remember about it is like the quarter mile seems so stinking long. I was like, holy crap. And and toward the end, I started running out of gas. And you know, I you know, you sit there on the street, and and I've had a car before that where I built my own 19 1904, which was 74 by 90.5, and I used to go to the street races here, and I used to just go clobber these Mustang guys. After going to the track, what I realized is no one really races a quarter mile on the street, because. Especially in a bug, you leave so hard. Leave people so they do like what you did when you got beat in your first race. Like, all right, this dude killed me by eighth mile. I'm just pulling off. Like, there's no because you you lose mentally, which a lot of people if they if if you stick with it and you're on a track because the track doesn't tell any lies, right? That's the tough because you'd be the fastest dude on the street race because you could cheat the light or you can you know you you cheat the jump or whatever the case is, but that doesn't go down in the drag race world.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's all horsepower to weight, so you you. You're racing a Mustang. You know that thing weighs thirty five hundred pounds. Yeah. So you you have a bug. You're you get it down to 1,800, 1,700 pounds. Yeah. That's a lot less weight to move. So, in an eighth mile or you know light to light, that thing's going to be lightning oh, yeah, compared th- to these. You'll these, think it's a, these street cars. It, you'll
0: think it's impossible to catch. Yeah. You know. And so, we're we're I, I want to get out of the classes here. We'll okay, hit just week so we're clear. So we got our Pro Turbo uh, Pro Super, uh, Super Street Super Stock Super Stock, and then. Uh, Pro Eliminator and then Pro Eliminator. Is there a time limit on Pro Eliminator?
1: Um, yeah, they they make they have a minimum that you have to run, um, but there is no restriction. So you can run turbo, you can run whatever. It ends up being, um, you qualify off of your reaction time and then it's a bracket race. Uh, so so basically, if if I'm running you know, six nineties in the quarter mile mm-hmm. and I'm going up against a guy that's running seven thirties. So we dial, we dial it in. We're using a pro light, but he's going to get a four tenths head start. And in theory, if you, if we both leave the starting line, the same, you go through, we're, the... we're going to go through the lights at the same.
0: Exactly. It'll be, a, it'll be a tie. Have it'll you ever seen a tie? A tie? Never. <laughs> right. No,
1: most rag races are, uh, done, uh, right on the starting line. So if, if you're late on the starting line, you're not. You're done.
0: Yeah, because you look at like those those top fuel cars, man, and it all comes down to reaction time. Reaction time. Yeah, every because you know it's it's the cars are so closely matched, and especially like when you do your dial in, unless you're sandbagging, which is why they have the breakout rule. So if you dial in and say, and so those that aren't listening, I'm going to flex a little bit of my knowledge. So if you dial in right and your car runs ten sixties, and you put ten fifty five on your windshield, you'll want to put ten fifty five. Because you can't go ten fifty five. Because if you run faster than your posted time, you're eliminated.
1: You're yeah, you're done. Yeah. So you, you want you want to be as close as you can to your um, dial in, and and so in a in a bracket race, um, especially in pro eliminator, there there's two things that have to happen. One, you have to leave the starting line on time. Number two, you got to be able to run your time. So you may be able to grade off the starting line, but if I dial in six ninety and I run a seven fifty. I've given away a half a second, yeah. and that's that's hard to come up. So you have two things that you got to take care of.
0: You got to be. Cons- I mean, consistency is key. It's one hundred percent. And and on. Got to know your car. And so your car that you run is four speed transmission. Correct. So, is it only like Pro Turbo where they get into turbo like two speed transmissions?
1: Now the most of the Pro Turbos are for. They're still four, they're four speeds. St- still four speeds. But
0: they're just a sequential shift.
1: Uh, I. It depends yeah. uh, on, on well, most of them. They, they may look like they're sequential where they'll have the inline shifters, mm-hmm. but they still got to hit the clutch. Uh, a true sequential uh, transmission is uh, which we had in the Toyota, which we'll get into, I'm sure. Yeah. A little bit later is once I let the clutch out, there's a sensor in the shifter. And so when the shift light comes on, all I have to do is pull the gear. And the the computer cuts the engine by 0. .035 uh, seconds to allow it to come out of gear and into gear uh, to the next one. So once I let the clutch out, I don't have to hit the clutch again, really? where all the Volkswagens, you have to hit the clutch.
0: And, and so since you've had experience driving both, it's way easier to shift the, the other one that has like essentially essentially like a, they call them clutchless like clutchless, yeah, clutchless transmission yeah and and the reason they don't do they just don't have that technology for Volkswagens.
1: uh they do uh it's just out of the it's, price it's, range yeah it's it's stupid money when when we started uh with with uh toyota a volkswagen transmission they're probably three to five thousand for a really good transmission yeah um so that's that's a lot of money it so is to, to drop for a for a, any type of race car
0: for a guy who's racing four times a year as a hobby. Yeah,
1: it's it's a lot of money. Um, when we when we made the transition to Toyota, those transmissions are between twelve and eighteen thousand dollars. Per transmission, so and and you only get uh, I want to say probably fifteen laps out of them, and then you got to take it out and service it. Wow. Um, so there, everything is high
0: maintenance. Yeah. So you're dealing with. Uh, That's why you got one driver and sixteen mechanics. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And in the in the, in the VW world, you've got the driver is the mechanic, and maybe his dad and a buddy. Yeah. Type exactly. Thing. Yeah. So we're down to preliminary class, which we discussed that preliminary class is open as far as induction. It can be forced induction or naturally aspirated. Correct. And so if it's like, let's say a guy buys an old pro turbo car, but he doesn't want to run with the pro turbo guys, he can run in pro eliminator. So a guy could go buy a prebuilt drag car, run in pro eliminator. Is the, is the purpose of pro eliminator to kind of get the feel for the car to where you like, you can get it to where you can run in the pro Eliminator super stock class. And then you can move into those classes or.
1: You can, or it's, it's a, it's kind of a in between to where, uh, Pro turbo, super stock, um, which on the BRS side, it's called, uh, pro gas. Mm -hmm. So they're very similar, but those are, those are straight up, uh, a street drag races. Yeah. Light turns green. Whoever gets the finish line first wins. So a lot of times that comes down to who has the most money, who's put in the most dollars to do that. And if you don't have the time to do the R and D, you can you can go run a pro class and compete. So it's kind of a, a in between uh, between the the straight bracket classes, which are your your sportsman classes, mm-hmm. where you're getting the three lights and then the green. And if you want to run a pro class, that's kind of the transition to it.
0: And that's like because when you switch to pro class, it's all about. Like if you're if you're no good at reaction time, don't bother going to pro class.
1: Yeah, you probably don't want to be there. That's not your first step because
0: that's just gonna kill you. You're, you're just, you want to talk about getting discouraged? Like you could buy anybody's car and the guy guarantees you it's a it, it's a it's a eight sixties car all day, and you're losing every race because you got you know a point five oh, exactly reaction time. So
1: I, I always tell folks that are just getting into drag racing. I, I've been doing it for eighty nine. This is my thirtieth year in the drag race seat. Um, start slow, you know, start with a, you know, 1800, 1900 CC engine, learn the car, learn what it does going down the track, because that's a lot of that stuff happens so fast at the, you know, 14 second car. That's, that's a fast car.
0: That's, I mean, a lot of people, okay. In today's technology with direct injected motors and things like that, like in the past, Five, six years on the street, especially with Dodge, with 700 horsepower street cars with air conditioning, the cars are getting ridiculously fast from the factory. But you're talking 10 years ago, uh, 14 seconds is really fast on the street. I mean, that is... Lightning, it's it's fast right
1: now. Yeah. If you, if you took a 14-second Volkswagen and raced anybody on the street, you'll probably win 99% of your races. I mean, that's a fast race car. And when you get on the drag strip, a 14-second race car everything happens so fast, you know, from launching the car, then you got to shit, you know, hit your shift lights until you get into fourth gear. Then you can kind of look around a little bit, but things happen so fast. And then once you get in fourth gear, you get to the end. Now you got to stop, you know, shut everything down. So people don't realize how fast things happen on the drag strip. So when I, people ask, well, where do I start? Start the bracket class, you know, run your 14 second, 15 second, 13 second, whatever, whatever you got, learn that car, master that car and then start putting horsepower to it.
0: Cause really it's, I mean, what it comes down to, and I think it's been proven on the track tons of times, it comes down to driver skill. Like it doesn't matter how much money you could throw at it. If you can't drive, you you know, you're not going to be a happy drag racer. So your advice to like the average guy who just bought and bolted on a turbo kit and he's got a 14, 13 second bug. It's like don't chase the fast guys go run sportsmen go run consistency learn that car like the back of your hand practice your lights do that stuff because when you really start moving up in the classes that's where the difference is made in drag racing is like 100 who cuts the light and if your car is built right and it's consistent you're gonna you're gonna do what you need to do it's just up to you and that and that reaction time right there
1: and and everything slows down like a uh, the the engine I have in mind right now it's it's basically a super stock engine I'm running pro eliminator it runs six nineties in the eighth you know ten nineties in the in the quarter mile and if I was to take somebody off the street put them in my race car it would they would it scare the poop out
0: of them right and it would run how slow how much slower I, it, half it, second it, yeah it, it, they if just, they were good they, they
1: wouldn't know what is hit hitting them so they they need to. You need to learn how to drive.
0: Well, you're going through four gears in six seconds. Correct. I mean, I, I, we, before we came over here, I was with my buddy, and he's not really a car guy. And I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm interviewing this guy, and I was looking at some of your Scion videos, and I'm and I'm showing him that, and I said, and I'm looking and I'm trying to get him to understand. And I think I think one of the things I saw you run was like a 10:21 in that car, and I I want to say it was like a hundred a hundred miles an hour. Is that right? Does that sound right?
1: Um, the Scion, it in the quarter mile, might have been the, that was the bug. Is that the fastback? Uh, no,
0: that was the the bug.
1: Um, yeah, the Scion Toyota that that car was a mid nine second car, so it would mm-hmm. run nine forties to nine sixties, depending on the track, at right about one hundred and fifty miles an hour.
0: So it must have been a video that I saw of, of a bad, like a bad pass.
1: Well, it depends on the track, um, and when I'm sure we'll get into this later when we started running um, the NHRA uh, stuff with the Scion, Mm -hmm. we actually detuned it because we didn't need to be on the ragged edge. So what we're trying to do with the Scion is uh, we wanted to run about three to four events with an engine. Right. We want, instead of two.
0: Right. Three to four events, which means like you're doubling your passes. So lean back on the performance and do more bracket stuff.
1: Yeah. So uh, when, when we transitioned from, a pro class, uh, heads up, uh, when we went in, uh, I think it was uh, 2009, um, NHRA killed the sport compact series. So yeah, so we so, had nowhere to race.
0: So, so let's talk about the, tra- the, 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 the transition. So are we through all the classes, the pro eliminators, like the other pro class? And then after that's just sportsman it's, class, it's all sportsman classes. after. And that. the sportsman class are all dial in indexes. Correct. How many dial in indexes are there?
1: I think they have two or three.
0: So it's 1090.
1: Um, Well, they have, uh, that's uh, BRS. They have a 1090 class. Mm -hmm. And basically you can run whatever you want. It's, you just, you're trying to run 1090. Exactly. Exactly.
0: That's the game. Correct, and those are sportsman class with a sportsman tree and some other stuff, and so everything from there is sportsman class, which is kind of run with your brung. So your advice to people wanting to drag race: get out there, run your car in sportsman. Don't chase the pro class. Get your car dialed in, and then move into pro class if you feel like it.
1: And then start moving, moving up. You know, if if uh, you know you're running 12 seconds, you know, shoot for 11 seconds. You know, tune your car. Once you get to 11 seconds, then you know, shoot for. You know, quicker than
0: that. So, so let me ask you this question because I'm 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 thinking of I'm a guy sitting at home thinking of what you're saying. So I'm so I'm, I'm asking the question: What is the most you've seen tuned out of a motor without any major changes? How much? I mean, if someone's because we're talking about backyard guy who's who's done his research on the internet. And when I say backyard, the VW guy, like the guy working in his garage, doing his own thing, searching the internet, getting his information. What's the most? significant move you've seen like a guy's like hey uh, hey Scott come help me with my car can you look at a couple of things and you're like bro change this change this change this and the guy picked up half a second like have you seen with tune adjustments major increases in 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 stuff that's been choking the car or running wrong
1: yeah you can make the the minor tune adjustments uh carburetors headers um Uh, timing is very important and timing comes down to what cam pro, uh, package you're running. So that, those are kind of the, the big ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when you start getting into, for me with the experience is normally aspirated. Uh, most of the guys are running street cars. So they're running probably eight and a half, uh, compression. Mm Mm-hmm where when you start wanting to get into uh, larger lift cams, you want to have a little bit
0: more compression. So you can shove more fuel through, fuel and air.
1: Well, you get a bigger bang. Yeah. So uh, when that air fuel goes in there, if you compress it to 8.5 to 1, you don't get as big a bang if you compress it to 10.5 to 1. So then you need to start tuning on to... uh, these these engines to where you can do little things to make them go a little bit quicker. Problem is, is when you start uh, getting horsepower into engines, then then you start finding, uh, horsepower always finds weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So then you need to make sure that your rods are good, your cam is not a cast cam. We run uh, uh, chromoly uh, cams in them.
0: So you don't run billet cams? Billet cams, billet cams chromoly. Okay. Um,
1: So, I don't. I've I haven't run a cast cam in probably fifteen years. Twenty. So
0: when you say cast cam, it's like an off the shelf, off the shelf angle one twenty, right? Whatever. That's a cast cam. The other ones are, are billet machined out of chromoly steel. Correct. And chromoly is just for those for those that aren't super into it. Chromoly is a different hardness of steel.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a basically you're taking a chunk of steel and turning it down to what you need. Where a cast cam. It's, you're pouring it into a mold, and give, that's your, your stock. That's your
0: blank and your profile, and you just kind of machine it from right. there. Right,
1: and they're, they're much weaker.
0: Yeah, it's, it's more brittle, and the density, it's, it's less dense. Correct. So, so uh,
1: when I first started, uh, that's all that was really available. Yeah. And so— Well, the they, fast guys
0: were running the FK87s, FK89s.
1: FK89s, and the problem is, is they snap at the snout when you start getting lift into them. Uh, when you when you have the big uh, springs
0: well you know it's funny you say that cuz we were uh I had Pat Downs on the podcast uh 3 4 episodes ago 5 episodes ago and he talked about when they did the horsepower shootout building the motors and he said he's at Jack Cicchetti's place tuning the motor the day before and Jack kind of walks over the dyno just cranks the motor up to like 10 grand snaps the crank and so he had to rebuild the whole motor still won the competition the next day but had to rebuild the whole motor so in in reality because of this the parameters of the of the uh engine shootout they're probably using a just a off the shelf cast camshaft and that's what happens but i mean that's the crazy part is you realize what these motors are going through to get this kind of horsepower out of it but but you know what's the biggest back to the original question what's the biggest with with can you can you realistically say i'm starting with a 2386 and I'm going to start with that motor, and I've got 48s, and I've got this, and this is my compression, and the motor runs 1350s. That same motor with the right tweaks, some cam adjustments, compression adjustments, things like that. What's the? I mean, have you have, have you personally gone through the experience of taking that motor and jumping up to where you're two seconds faster a year later through cam change, compression change, things like that? But the the, the core motor, you know, and those are the tweaks you're talking about, right?
1: Yeah, core motor. Um... the it's as we talked about horsepower per cubic inch so with a volkswagen engine if you can get between 1.85 to 2 horsepower per cubic inch that's the upper one percent of all engines normally aspirated built. that's what they're making period Hmm. i don't care who they say oh we're getting 2.3 they're full of it yeah if if you're in that 1.85 to 2 horsepower per inch then you're, so, you're in
0: the game. So realistically, uh, most cars in your class are running what displacement?
1: Because
0: uh, you're 88 cranks, so you're going to be, 88 crank's going to be?
1: I'm 84 by 94, so I'm 2.3, so 140, 145 cubic inches.
0: 145 cubic inches, so you're talking about?
1: So I need to be in that 290 range.
0: You're, so you're when you're saying 290, you're talking 290 at the wheels or the flywheel? Uh, at the flywheel. At the flywheel. And it's so funny because I don't know how many people I've heard, I'm sure you've heard, as a drag racer sitting back at a car show and some kid telling some other kid with probably some Oakley some Oakley thermonuclear protection on, he's like, yeah, it's got 350 horsepower. And you're just sitting back there like, that's not true. Like, it's completely.
1: <laughs> well, that, that's the kid you go, hey, by the way, uh, you want to go race for a grand? I got well, this little Volkswagen. I, I oh, man.
0: had I had, a, I had bought a sand car, that sand car that I showed you my garage earlier. It's got a Subaru motor in it. And the guy I bought it from, he's like, yeah, Moreau, that motor's 360 horsepower all day. And then I took it down to get dynoed down in California with John over there at Outfront Performance. And I said, yeah, the guy told me it's 300 horsepower. He just looks at me and he says, you're never getting 300 horsepower. I have a stock block with stock rods and stock pistons. He's like, "This and the motor dynoed at 170 to the wheels. And it's so funny because, you know, my new new Can-Am that I have that I take in the desert, that's 170 horsepower okay, it's 170 horsepower asterisk. That's at the flywheel peak conditions of everything. And and it's like that 170 horse, 175 we horse Subaru sand car. I run with the LS cars because we're back to power to weight ratio. Correct. I'm smaller. I'm lighter. And it's like, I, I, and if I, especially if I get the jump, (laughs) if I get the jump, it's game over because they're so heavy. And that's like, you've got all that extra, extra inertia to push. So, we went through the classes. Your history, you go drag racing for you start in the late eighties, correct? And you move into, and how long? And you're racing. You're you're kind of racing what four or five times a year in your VW. Going to the the typical show circuit is about six 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 um, events. No, back then uh,
1: this this was kind of the renaissance of Volkswagen drag racing back in the late sixties through the early seventies. Um, there were Volkswagens everywhere and and NHRA had classes for them so they could they could go and run NHRA divisionals they could run national events and then kind of in the mid to late 70s NHRA started writing Volkswagen's out of the rules
0: um why do you think that was
1: um it, a lot of it was political where NHRA um you know your big 3 uh, Chevy, Dodge, Ford.
0: This America,
1: America. Yeah, we're 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 putting, and that's who was basically putting the money into drag racing. Was
0: GM, GM, Ford, Ford Ch-
1: uh, and Dodge R- race on Sunday, well, sell on, Mondays, sell on is the, Monday. Is, is the mantra. And, and Volkswagen has never, and I mean never, <laughs> put money into drag racing in the United States. Period. Let's
0: let's talk about that for a second. Is that freaking awful? I mean, it's it's like, it, it, it's the it's the craziest thing because VW people, and maybe it's so crazy because I think VW people are are like, we love Volkswagens. And I think the real disconnect was that like if, I think if Volkswagen, this is just two guys talking here, bringing up, talking about themselves. But I think if VW was like hugely into supporting air-cooled drag racing and like grassroots stuff a lot of us would be looking at brand new Volkswagens just based on brand loyalty and factory support. Correct. You know, I, I think that's, I think it's huge. And I, and I don't know why, maybe, you know what, I'm, I'm going to track somebody down at Volkswagen and get them no, I'm serious. I'm going to get them on and say, how come you guys have never really supported like the air cooled VW community as good as you could have, because it would equate into sales
1: well, I, I could probably answer part of it is... Fire away? Um, uh, VW is a European company, and drag racing has never been uh, part European of their culture. Thing. It's it's a... They're more of a road race, F1, you know, type of uh, mentality. Drag racing is an, a very American thing, and if you're not part of this culture, drag racing makes zero sense to you. It's like, but, why, why would I want to do that?
0: And I think I told you this t- earlier as we were talking earlier on the phone. And I've said this on the podcast before, and people are going to get tired of saying it, or maybe they might start taking shots or something every time I say this. I don't know what it is. But we are talking earlier, my my personal opinion, and and me, you know, I'm 47 years old. I grew up American, America, Amer- my parents were immigrants, but I'm American. I mean, the Volkswagens to me are as American as apple pie. I said this to my buddy at lunch today because he's not even a car guy, and he's, he's like wanting to be a car guy. He's a good, he's a friend of mine. Cool dude. But he says, yeah, my parents had a bug and this and this. I said, that's why Volkswagens are so American. I said, because everybody has a connection to a Volkswagen. And I think by Volkswagen lacking that support, because I get it, like their their goggles are affixed to Europe. And I totally understand that. But I, I've i never understood why, like, Volkswagen has never embraced that, uh, that U.S. heritage that they have. Because I'm telling you, it is it's rich it's deep it's like it, it means something to us guys and i think if when they made the new beetle we talked about the concept when well, my brother and i talked about concept one and we we're just kind of like yeah chick's car like don't care chick's car if they would have came to the vw events air cool vw events like the people that are that are turning out thousands in droves that's their. i think when we all saw it we saw the concept we we're like okay it's the concept it, it probably won't be that ugly but it's the bug and we all thought to ourselves like if they just please make it rear engine please make it rear engine they didn't make it rear engine then they went front wheel drive like 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 all these things and if they came and did market this why this is what i could guarantee you if they did market research and they came out and they said vw enthusiasts we know you're, you're brand loyal and what that's i think something they don't understand if we're going to develop the new Concept One Beetle, man, they, they should come on Let's Talk Dubs and, and ask the group here how to build that car because we'll tell them. If they like the new bus, I, I'm a bus guy. I'm not super pumped about the new bus, but you know, hey, they're building it for a different generation. We're the buyers, though. We're the ones that have brought the nostalgia to the streets. But it, you know, if they'd have said, we're going to make the new Beetle rear wheel drive, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna commit to the heritage. Like you look at, I'll tell you right now, you look at Dodge. And the, the the new Challenger and stuff that they have out. I mean, unbelievable. Like, it, they nailed it, like, getting taking the best of modern-day technology and taking cars that nobody want. you wanted one, but nobody else wanted those Mopars in the 80s. Like, you're a Mopar guy in the 80s? You went to a Mopar show? There's four of you there. You know what I mean? And then it came that wave in the 90s where Mopars just skyrocketed, and that was part of the thing because they weren't the Chevys. They weren't the this. And then they started getting hyper rare and all that stuff. But I think, you know, if they would if they would have came to VW events and they'd asked our input, the VW air cooled Beetle enthusiast, like what design? You guys designed this car. How would you design it? We'd have designed it. We'd we'd have taken turbo motors, gone rear wheel drive. Because you say, oh, there might not be a market for. It. There's no technology. Okay, look at the FRS. Right. That car's <laughs> manual transmission. Beautiful rear wheel rear wheel drive like.
1: Uh, we had a chance uh, when the FRS hit. Um, part of the uh, when when you're under the Toyota umbrella, they send you out to Willow Springs uh, once a year, and they they do all their shots of everything that they want to use for promotional stuff. A lot of the interviews, but while you're out there, they bring out probably five or six cars. Um, like one of the years was the the Scion TCS, and Basically, you go on the streets of Willow, and you spend a day driving that car on the streets of Willow. Really? Yep. So fun. And so you, you just get to beat up on those cars on the streets of Willow and see what they'll do. Uh, one of the years was the FRS, and I tell you what, for the dollar, the way that thing handled, uh, in my opinion, if they'd have put another 50 to 60 horsepower to it, it it'd been the perfect car.
0: Now the drivetrain on that thing is it the same as a Subaru motor, horizontally opposed flat four? Because I've heard, I've heard something and I don't know because I'm I'm not immersed in the Toyota thing, but my understanding was like Subaru made it one year, Toyota made it one year. I I don't know what's it, the story it, on that thing. It
1: was a uh, combination build. So basically, when they came out with the FRS, uh, Subaru had the BRS, and it's it's basically the same car. So they used that powertrain from the Subaru side in both cars.
0: So it's horizontally opposed motor. Correct.
1: And so, I mean, it's just, it was so fun to drive.
0: And a Volkswagen, and I don't know the history, the history on this, and maybe I should get it clarified one day. A friend of mine told me that, you know, Subaru bought the Wasser boxer design from Volkswagen. Cause Volkswagen was kind of done with it. And then they redeveloped it into the four cam Subaru flat four motor, which is, I, I can testify that motor because I've beat the crap. People are like, you're a Volkswagen guy. How come you don't have a VW motor in your sand I'm like, cause I just want to get in, ring its neck, park it, and then go back and ride another hour. Yeah. yeah do it again. Yeah. It's new, new technology. New
1: technology. And, and that's the, the, basically they took that, that platform and took it to the next level where had Volkswagen done that, with
0: oh my gosh that beetle would have sold millions dudes would have bought the beetle you understand what i'm saying i don't care who you are it'd have been fun girls aren't car buyers like they are they buy stuff that's cute and it worked for like the first wave but all of us guys were like you ain't catching me in that bug dude no no like uh uh-uh like it's so funny because the Volkswagen back in the day, like the Beetle was kind of like, meh, nerd car, but then it it, it, we, it became cool in the 60s when they started making them fast, and all of a sudden they put a little attitude with the stance and the wheels and all that stuff, and you could cool that car out. I mean, if Volkswagen would have came, came to bat and, and built the Beetle, designed it, and specifically said, you know who we're going after this car? Guys. Or pe- and girls and there's girls that want to race them, but by no means let me not send any hate email. I'm I am absolutely not against girls. The majority of girls aren't car focused, but there are plenty of really cool car girls out there. Um, so put that in your hat and save your email. Um, but uh, <laughs> but the reality is, that Volkswagen came out and said we're going to do rear engine, horizontally opposed, water cooled, turbocharged, rear wheel drive, and we're going to we're going to build it, we're going to make it cheap. But we're gonna we're gonna build a bunch of aftermarket parts for it. They'd have had a, a freaking home run. They'd have sold millions because I think I think what they kind of went wrong with this thing was they developed it for maybe like the import market guys. And I do an event, and everybody's tired of hearing. Maybe they're taking shots when I bring up my event, the Las Vegas Auto Swap Meet, which will be happening here in Las Vegas, Sam Boyd Stadium, November 30th this year. If you want to come see Bill T personally, but I won't have time to talk because I'm running the swap meet. So anyway, promoting this event, I've been to like literally every car meet locally every car meet the weirdest ones are like the import dudes they have these huge meetups at vape shops i'm not, <laughs> i'm not kidding huge meetups at vape shops vape these vape shops and i walk around handing out flyers for the swap meet cuz i'm i'm a little old school and everybody's like do social media so i put on social media but i hand it to a guy i'm like hey man I want a flyer for the swap meet he's like what's a swap meet i'm like okay let's start from the beginning. It's like, Oh, you can, I said like, you know, all the parts you took off your car, you can bring those to the swap meet and people buy them. Who's going to buy those? I'm like, okay, moving on. Like, but they're just, it's just a different breed of guys. And like, I was at an import show. Bill's on a rant again. I was at an import show just recently. Now this is Vegas. We had a tragic shooting here a couple years ago. Right? So the sound of gunshots, Near a hotel, not real cool. There's a hotel down the street. There was doing like a stance work or stance fest or something, whatever. So I went to go check it out. There's some water pumper Volkswagens there, and I just kind of cruised by. I'm, I love all cars. I went there to go check it out. And this was the most insane thing I ever saw. Like all these dudes gathered around this Jetta, where this dude's bouncing it off the rev limiter, and it's backfiring and popping and all this stuff. And I'm just kind of, I'm like, what? Well, first, I'm a little startled, right, because I'm hearing this pop. And I'm like. And all these dudes are cheering with their vape things in their hands, like standing next to this car. and Because, you know, like car guys, like us car guys. All right. So maybe don't share this with your friends at driving imports, guys, because, you know, we're, remember what I said about Volkswagens. But, uh, you know, like us car guys, like we watch Fast and Furious and we're like, it, it had, the, had the ability to be so cool. And there's, you know, the 19-speed transmissions and the and the fire shooting out headlights and the, you know, the theatrics kind of made it, like, for car guys, you're, like, lame. But I, I'm i committed to the movie because it's about cars. But I think those were those guys there, like, the guys that, <laughs> that have been sold. Like, that's what car stuff's about. And I just couldn't understand a, a 20 guys around a car. Like, they had a competition of, like, who could backfire off the rev limiter the best, and that's who won- – I mean, the lamest thing I've ever seen, but – my point is it's a total different breed of guys. And so this FRS, like, I think a lot of us guys look at those cars and think like, man, that's a platform you could build something really cool with.
1: It's uh it's an awesome piece. But in, as you're kind of dovetailing off of what you said, the import uh, crowd was uh, a little bit different crowd from the Volkswagen guys. So when, when I started in 89, I ran through basically 1999 Mm-hmm. of all the Volkswagen events. And at the time, it, it it was basically kind of the the golden age of resurgence of Volkswagen drag racing. We had probably 12, 13 events a year wow. uh of drag racing. And they they were I mean just wonderful events from uh Sacramento to Sears Point. We we ran uh Arizona we ran Denver I mean, the, Texas, I mean, it, it was, it was wonderful. So those, those 10 years, uh, basically it was kind of the resurgence of the drag racing, uh, with Volkswagens. And then, uh, the, in 1999 was the first Fast and Furious movie that hit. And at that time, um, uh, I was, uh, I happened to be at a bowling alley in Orange and, I look on the screen and in the lane next to me was, I saw the name Schley and I go, Hey, walk over. And I said, you're not related to Paul or Mark, are you? And it, it happened to be Aaron Schley, uh, which is one of the sons. Mm -hmm. And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm Aaron. I'm, uh, Paul's Paul's son. I go, Hey, Scott Kelly. My dad, our dad's raced together back in the late sixties. And so we started talking racing. And he was one of he was racing uh, Honda, so uh, this import crowd, and so we're kind of chatting, and I'm telling about what we're doing with the PRA stuff for the past ten years, and he goes, "Hey, there's a race coming up in two weekends out at Palmdale." He said, "You've got to see it," and I'm thinking, "Honda's, you know, fast and yeah. furious, you know, the 19-speed transmissions, like you were saying." It's like, ah, I don't know." He said, "Just come out. You got to see it."
0: Bunch of guys with bandanas tied around their calf.
1: Yeah. And and I go, (laughs) all right, Aaron. So I drive out to Palmdale and literally there's 500 cars there and it is standing room
0: only. Really? And it's
1: all the, just the kids that...
0: The import, the Honda Civic guys and all those guys.
1: Yeah. Toyota, Mitsubishi, every one of them, same deal, banging off the rev limiter. You know, they're going 14 seconds and everybody's going crazy and... I go, oh my goodness, this is the future of drag racing. Sure. So I drove home that night, called my uh, called my dad the next the next morning. I said, "Dad, I've just seen the future of drag racing." Um, and he goes, "What do you mean?" I said, "This import stuff is gigantic."
0: And this was an NHRA event.
1: No, this is they they had all these little standalone battle of the imports, mm-hmm. uh, Naira. Um, there was, there's about three or four of them that, that all put on these events. And and
0: these were like only to the, the Japanese import crowd, Japanese import. And And then, so did the bug guys show up there and just start? Well, no.
1: And so they actually frowned upon the Volkswagens. They didn't want them there. They didn't want them there. And so I I was talking to all the sanctioning bodies, the guys that are running it. And they had a class called all motor, which is basically pro stock for imports. Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, well, why can't I be part of this deal? I'm an import, Volkswagen. Volkswagen. And they go, well, what kind of times do you run? I said, well, what kind of times do you want me to run? Um, And they said, well, they're they're running 13 seconds or 12 seconds or whatever it was. And I said, well, right now I can run high 10s, low 11s, depending on whatever. Your combo is. Combo is. And he goes, no, that's way too fast. You can't do it. And I said, well, just add weight. And so. When we started in 1999, they finally, I talked them into letting me run with these guys.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, at the time, we were running 1,550 pounds with our combination. And so we had to run at 1,900 pounds. So we had to add 400 pounds to the car. How uh, do
0: you add 400 pounds to a drag car?
1: <laughs> uh, we went and bought these.
0: Sparkless bottles of coins?
1: Gigantic uh, plates of steel. Yeah. And we bolted them up underneath the pan. Get out
0: of here. To, to make weight. Like a 500, 400 pound piece of steel. Uh,
1: we had three, three pieces that were about a uh, hundred, 120 pounds each, bolted them up in there and then we made weight. And so I started running with these guys. And so we were running similar times
0: to try to keep it exciting. To, yeah,
1: to, Just so it was fun. Cause I didn't want to come out and run 10 seconds. <laughs> it's game well, over. Well, then I'm not going to play. You
0: guys can all go home now. <laughs> yeah. They're going to,
1: they're going to kick me out of here. And so I just I want to run as quick, and the piece that was just unbelievable is the sponsorship was so high because they were getting so many kids. The, to the factory event. support. Um, if you win an event, you won like three, four thousand dollars.
0: And the VW guys were like, "Holy crap!" Well,
1: for me, I, and I, I'm the only one doing it at the time. Really? It, yeah. And so I, I, I went like two two years of running with these guys.
0: The only guy there.
1: Yeah. Only VW guy. It's like the best
0: kept secret. You're like, and keep my mouth <laughs> shut.
1: So, and it, as they picked up, uh, they would take weight off my car so that we could run similar times. So I, it got down to where I was like at 1700 pounds. And so everybody's running about high tens, low 11s. Um, and then a few of the other VW guys started
0: coming over, coming
1: on board. And,
0: uh, so who's um, coming on board at this time?
1: Um, I think Sean gears came over in Mm -hmm. about 2002 and they brought their, they brought their Beatles. Yeah. And so what, what kind of hurt it there is, is they were super fast.
0: Like they, they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll play by your rules, but we want to just come out here and spank you guys and embarrass you. And and so not realizing that that doesn't work well. Like that's,
1: yeah. And I was saying, guys, you, you you can't come out and embarrass them because they're going to write us right out of the rules. Dumb me up in sandbag. then, Then we're done. Uh, so it, it ended up uh, in in two thousand one, um, it it became so popular. I mean, we're talking; uh, they'd bring seven hundred cars to an event. Wow! And so NHRA jumps in.
0: Seven hundred racing cars to an event?
1: Cars that were going down the track? Wow. At an event? Wow! And uh, so NHRA says, "Whoa, whoa." Most
0: of them probably sportsman class. There's yeah. like you have like your elite guys that are that, you know like we're the big dogs. are running elevens.
1: Yeah, and and everybody else is. It's just it was so fun because it was, for me going. You're, you're back to the oranges. Going back to the, the of how it started. Guys on machine. the street, yeah.
0: Getting cars and run it and just you bought it at the you bought it at, at the dealership. You took it home. You did some tweaks and now you're taking it racing.
1: And you're taking it racing and there was a place for him and it, it was it was just really super fun. Um, and then 2001 NHRA uh, jumped in uh, because there was the factory money was getting really big. And NHRA says, okay.
0: Oh, excuse us. Can we step in here? We're the, yeah, we're the biggest sanctioning body of drag racing.
1: So they they jumped in and created the uh, import series. And they created four pro classes. Um, and, and they gave us our own 12 race series around the country.
0: Around the country.
1: With television. So now we had... Uh, ESPN, ESPN, ESPN two, NBC. So our sometimes. our our stuff was was on television, and and we had uh, uh, factory sponsorship. So for me, we finally the, the uh, 2001 we won the national championship, um, and then from 2002 2003, these guys because they had factory backing really started going fast with these things
0: right now the engineers show up and help them like okay you're going to beat that guy who built his volkswagen in his garage and here's how we're going to do it correct
1: and so uh it got to a point in what
0: a, now what weight are those cars run so you're your your same weight class as the so if they drop to 1700 you dropped to 1700 is that kind of where where it's at yeah they,
1: they were uh they could run at 1700 pounds i think we were at the time was about 1785 it, they finally got it down to about that. So you had to be, a, you were still a little we bit were heavier. were still heavier. Um, and then once they got about 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. um, the technology jump was gigantic because all the factories got in.
0: And then, I mean, so, and what do you attribute that to? Do you attribute it to overhead cams? Do you attribute it to direct, I mean, they weren't doing direct injection back then, but they were changing well, all, timing and injection.
1: Well, all of those guys were injected. They could run methanol. I was still on carbureted gas.
0: Um, Methanol is probably a gigantic jump right there by itself. It
1: it was two, three tenths just in fuel. Yeah, Um, But then they they had the factory uh, engineers, you know, Honda, Toyota, Mazda, uh, Chevy, Ford. Every one of them all had factory backing. These guys were, they went from running 11 seconds to 980s within a year. I mean, Are you kidding? That me? quick, and so
0: same same drivetrain. They're, drive they're just new cams, new they, they, electronics. They started
1: they started turning the turning the wick up. So I knew in two thousand two that
0: it wasn't we, long for the VWs. I,
1: I knew I needed to make a transition.
0: Sure. Well, guys, that's the end of episode one. Episode two, the continuation of the story, is the transition from VW drag racer to import drag racer, and then back to VW drag racer again. Or maybe he never leaves drag racing in the VW scene. Check back on the next episode, which will be out quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because I know you guys have been waiting, and you want. So this is today's episode. Appreciate you guys for listening. Don't forget to support the podcast. You can go on letstalkdubs.com, like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram, and share the podcast with all your friends. Appreciate the support, guys. Thanks for listening. Remember, let's talk dubs.
1: A Volkswagen. Nice station wagon to have around the house.